Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show that helps you lead as Christ would have you lead if he were you. Whether you're listening live or one of the many thousands who listen via podcast, great to have you along. And if you're new to the show, a reminder that the show's available on demand via premierradio.com or via iTunes or Podbean. It's not uncommon to see charity CEOs lead a range of organisations in a range of fields. But today's guest has remained within one particular field, and that is care for the poor. He served for 22 years in Tear Fund in a range of roles, including international director for the last four years, and is now CEO of International Justice Mission, known as IJM uh, UK, which is part of an international anti-slavery organisation, including undercover investigators, lawyers, social workers and advocates. So his name is David Westlake, and welcome, David, to the Leadership File. Thanks very much for having me. Great to be here. Good, good to have you along. So do you recall when the plight of the poor first grabbed you? Do you know, I actually do. Um, and it was all tied up with uh, a movement called Spring Harvest, which oh, many yeah. listeners uh, might have gone to or still go to. And the first time it really uh, hit me was that I was at Spring Harvest. I must have been 12, 13. And there was a, a call for, for something called the Siberian Seven. And these were seven... Mm pastors who had been arrested in the old Soviet Union and uh, their families had been uh, disadvantaged and persecuted. There was something about that that just got me. And I thought, I don't, I don't know really actually how strongly committed I was to Jesus at that point, but there was something in me that thought, if this is real, it means something for people like that. I went back to my church and tried to get them involved in the campaign and I was told that Christians didn't really do politics. <laughs> and actually, what was really, even though I had no theology, no yeah. framework, there was something inside me which I just thought, that's wrong. Mm. Fast forward a few, a few years, I was just before my 16th birthday and I was at Spring Harvest again. Complicated deal with my parents, whereby if I went to this Christian thing, I could go on holiday with some of my friends. <laughs> and I wandered in to the big top at Spring Harvest. And I heard a guy called George Verwer speak. Again, many listeners will have heard of George Verwer set up Operation Mobilisation. Very passionate speaker. But what he was speaking on is that Christ saves us to transform the world. Mm. And there was something about that night, a bit older, where I thought, if that's what Christianity is about, I want in. And actually, I went forward that night and got prayed for. And, oh, wonderful. Um, yeah. That's the day I, I, I track that I became a Christian, although I had lots of Christian experience before that. Fabulous. Well, uh, some listeners will know the Siberian Seven was, a, I think, a campaign as part of Buzz magazine, mm. I think. Yeah, yeah. Which, of course, this is the offices where Buzz has ended up, at least in its historically now yeah. Premier Christianity magazine. So fabulous. So thank you for that story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you're well-travelled. Um, so with, with Tear Fund, uh, share some of the toughest trips, perhaps. Oh, there's all sorts of versions of tough. So um. probably one of the least enjoyable trips mm. Um from a comfort point of view, was travelling across Tanzania. Oh, well. And in a, in a car, which was very... Um, so it was tough travelling. And we basically went from village to village and ate incredibly generously provided versions of goat curry right. every day. Oh, well. <laughs> and um, it was a taste I got used to. <laughs> but I think... Um, so so from, from, a, from a comfort point of view, there's lots of trips where... Uh, 
we end up being with people and experiencing their hospitality, sometimes of some of the poorest people. Sure. And so you're overwhelmed by this hospitality. Yeah. yeah. Um, probably the toughest trips, other than the mundane things of comfort, are when you just feel hopeless in the face of um, huge problems. I remember going to Bangladesh and being with some wonderful Christian people in Bangladesh who had just been hit by setback after setback after setback, and they were clinging to faith um, mm. and hanging on, and uh, and that was really tough. It was tough to then come back to my much more comfortable Christian world sure. and leave them there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously you're hinting there at things you've done with, with Tear Fund. Um, I, I won't dwell on that, but I, I'd understood that the Tear Fund have moved away from, if you like, from the giving of money to poverty-stricken areas to, to assisting more in helping the local people uh, do what they can with what they have. Uh, someone was chatting with that. I don't know if that's a, yeah, a very no, crass exactly. way of putting it. But. No, no, absolutely true. Mm. So there are certain times when you absolutely need mm. external help. So yeah. the tsunami comes or the war yeah. has happened and you need people who mm. can really skilled at, at putting up mm. accommodation and w working out sanitation and water really fast. Mm. But long-term change happens when people uh, take control of their own destiny and make great choices and are helped mm. in doing what's needed in their communities. And so that's a much longer process and mm. it's a much more, has much more integrity and it's about identifying, often for tier fund, churches who mm. are activating their communities to see benefits come to everybody. Yeah, amen. And so you transitioned to uh, International Justice uh, Mission uh, UK. Uh, what kind of reactions do you get from Christians as you travel around sharing the kind of work you do? Do you know, overwhelmingly positive. Hmm. Um, because actually, as Christians, one of our foundational stories hmm. is the story of Moses hmm. and the escape from Egypt from by the Israelites who were in slavery. So we have got deeply built into us that God interrupted Moses at the burning bush and God took Moses out of his comfort zone and said, go to the biggest slave owner of the day, mm. Pharaoh, and say, let my people go. And we know that um, that story is the foundation for what God did for all of us in Christ, where mm. he sent his own son to the biggest slave owner of the, the day, the enemy, and he said, let my people go, and he won our salvation and our freedom. Mm. So we know deep in our souls that God hates slavery and mm. wants to bring liberty to people. And so when we talk about the 40 million people are in slavery today, there's something in most Christians that rises up and says, we must do something about that. And when we explain that it's possible to do something about that, people say, mm. I'm in. Yeah, and uh, the 50 children, and you know, as this show is being, you know, develop 25 minutes to be 50 children into slavery yes yeah, so so 25 minutes that we're mm. chatting 50 children will have been sold and they'll have been sold into sweatshops and brothels and factories and of course mm. children belong in families and playgrounds and schools but that's two children a minute sold every minute of every day mm. and that's why the need is urgent and yeah. great yeah so how did you hear about igm well i uh it was actually 14 years ago I was with Tear Fund working in Chiang Mai, Thailand, mm -hmm. and uh, nothing to do with slavery or mm. trafficking, uh, working with Tear Fund partners there. And I was walking down 
the road, shopping streets in the middle of town with a female colleague, brightly lit, and this young girl comes up to me and asks me if I want to have sex with her. And, of course, I could keep moving, mm. but she couldn't because her owner kept her working that yes. part of the street. And her opening price was the equivalent of seven pounds. Wow. So Lord only knows what I could have bargained her down to mm, mm. had I been so inclined. Her face haunted me. It was a really, I don't know if you've ever had that experience mm. of God interrupting your life mm. and reframing something. And something which was head knowledge suddenly grips your heart. Yeah, so her yeah. face in some ways haunted me. And I, Tiffan didn't really do work in that kind sure. of area at the time, but the partners I was working with I knew did and so I talked to them I suppose I had a sort of romantic idea we'd find this girl mm. and of course we never found that girl but she almost certainly came from one of the hill tribes a despised ethnic group so not important enough to care for she was almost certainly mid-teens so given the girls who worked in the bars in that area so 14 15 16 mm. and she will have worked there until either she was sold on or until she died. And that was likely to be in her early 20s Gracious. of AIDS. Yeah. And there was something that happened to me in that encounter, mm. yeah. which I ended up praying that night because mm. um, I felt really convicted that I'd walked away from her. I don't actually know what I could have done. Sure, sure. But I pray, I found mm. myself praying, God, I don't ever want to walk away again. Mm. So I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you suddenly pray something and you think, oh, my goodness, mm. I actually said that out loud yes. to God. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> obviously God can't hear if it's inside mm. our heads. But uh, So long answer to your question, mm -hmm. but that started me on a journey. And I started asking my friends, who is good in this space about trafficking and slavery? Mm. And my friends all said IJM. Never heard of IJM. Mm. Um, and so I connected with some of the field offices and field works. We ended up doing some work. My position in Tier Fund meant I could make some things happen at yeah. the edges. And so we did some workshops. And I was just really impressed with them. Mm -hmm. Never thought I'd work for them or sure. be part of it. Um, but I was just really impressed uh, with them. And then fast forward to two and a half years ago, and a friend rings up and says, IGM are looking for a CEO here in the UK. And all the lights went off yes. inside yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that was the story. <laughs> no, but that's often the start of leadership is often that sense of, you know, there's something in the world I don't want to carry on. This is not the kingdom. Mm. Um, you know, I must do something. <laughs> that's that's often where leadership comes from, isn't it? So, but God had birthed that in you much, much, a long time before it ever came to fruition for you. So it's exciting. I'm sure. I'm sure IGM were impressed with the story when they <laughs> when they heard it in your interview. Yeah, no, fabulous. Good. So your works, you know, obviously your work. Um, is behind the scenes often necessarily secret, or at least I say your work, the the work of of your colleagues. Um, is that take the task of making needs known tough, or are you able to talk in general terms enough? Occasionally, I mean, because there are things that we would love to share for prayer, hmm. which are just too yes um, dangerous. We had um, three of our colleagues murdered in Kenya um, a couple of years ago. Oh boy. So, right. um, we are dealing with violently nasty people yes. um, who are making a load of money and want to protect it. So quite obviously, we have to be really careful about how we talk about our investigators or yes. the yes. teams that are involved in rescuing and um, 
doing aftercare for survivors. Yeah. So that is, sometimes that's really frustrating because we've got things, great successes mm. to share for praise or we've got great prayer needs and we have to be really judicious about it. Mm. But mostly we're able to talk in general terms and we're able to talk about some things that have happened, you know, a month or mm. two ago mm. in a way that gives people the right flavour. Sure. And then and the Lord, you, know, you can say, please pray for an area of, yeah. a, te- of, a, of, a, of a country or whatever. Yeah. And God knows. So yeah. <laughs> in that sense, I guess that's... Um, so, I mean, your your work focuses upon the very grimmest aspects of human nature. And I, you know, I sense, obviously, that you've had a burden for the poor and this kind of stuff. But uh, I'm, you know, I'm in awe of those who can live in that world in a charitable sense because you have that burden constantly. I don't know how you cope with that. Well, because I think... Um, so one is, it's always God's weight. Mm. God always bears the weight. Sure. Um, and he invites us into his mission. But for me, really practically... Um, well, let me tell you a story about Anita. Yeah. She was a girl I met in Chennai, India. Mm-hmm. And we were in this really posh hotel. Everyone was dressed up to the nines. And we were there because we were doing an award ceremony. IGM was doing an award ceremony. And it was for the police officer who actually had done a raid and the district official who'd actually processed um, documents that slaves need Mm -hmm. in order to prove their freedom. And and that's one of the things we do. We make a big fuss of people doing the right thing, sometimes um, when there are not that many people doing the right thing. Yeah, sure, sure. And in this room was Anita. Anita had actually come down from Calcutta, and she was uh, about 17. And when she was 15, we had uh, worked with the police to rescue her from a brothel where she'd been for three or four years. And she'd been raped every day, many, many, many times a day through her early teenage years. She was in the room because she was getting an award. And she was getting an award because even though she was from very low caste in India, even though she had her education had been non-existent because she'd been enslaved, even though she'd had a life that was full of shameful, difficult things, and she was in a room of the great and the powerful, she blew that room away because she had decided that she was going to go back to villages like the one she grew up in and warn young girls of what the uh, dangers were of the nice uh, person who came offering a job in the city, because that's what had happened to her. And she had saved hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young girls from that mm. fate. She blew the room away, yeah. even without education, even with all that shame, because she had actually somehow in her recovery found God and God had found her and she had had her sense of dignity and agency mm. restored. Now, I walked away from that meeting blown away by Anita not crushed by what she lived through. Sure. And I think I've seen over and over and over and over again when mm. I was a youth worker in inner London, when I was in a, uh, through Tear Fund and now with IJM, you meet amazing people and you think, how are you even walking around? And yes. yet you are doing something extraordinary. And then you meet phenomenally um, sacrificial people who have poured out their lives in difficult circumstances to help people like Anita. And you come back, frankly more inspired than you are burdened. Okay, bless you. Well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by David Westlake. Uh, David is the uh, CEO of the IJM UK. We'll be back just after this. 
Welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by David Westlake. He's the CEO of International uh, Justice Mission, IJM uh, UK, part of an anti, uh, international anti-slavery organisation which includes undercover investigators, lawyers, social workers and advocates. We're talking before the break a little of D- David's journey, uh, working for many years with, with Tear Fund and how there was a kind of God moment that awakened his interest in this particular ministry, which uh, in, in due course he became CEO of. And uh, before the break, particularly, we were looking at the... Um, the, the sense of potential burden that he might be under, but uh, the, the joy of seeing how God is at work in people's lives and uh, and and what a blessing that is. Um, David, moving on, I understand you've been uh, valued spiritual disciplines, the writings of Dallas Willard. Uh, how has this kind of impacted your work personally and corporately? <laughs> well, I, I, one of the... Whenever you move organisations, mm. you, you notice things that are different that yeah. haven't been done. So, so one of the most delightfully surprising things mm. I encountered at IJM was um, this commitment to spiritual formation. We yeah. describe ourselves as a community of spiritual formation. Right. <laughs> and so when you join IJM, you're asked, a, you're asked two questions um, and you have to make one commitment. Uh, and, and the two questions are, do you want to follow Jesus? Mm. And do you... When you say that, do you do you understand that in terms of the Apostles' Creed, which mm-hmm. is the most historic, yes. um, widespread creed? And then the commitment you have to make is to join this community of spiritual formation. Mm. And that means four disciplines. So this happens in every IJM office okay. and staff member around the world, all 1,100 people. Mm. Discipline number one is to start each working day with 30 minutes of, we call it stillness. So mm. it's personal prayer, private prayer. Um, in work time that we bring God into the day and the day that we have ahead of us into God's presence. Wow, yeah. We then work really hard, <laughs> just to comfort everyone. Um, <laughs> and then later on in the day, uh, in the UK, we do it at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, mm. we have corporate prayers, staff prayers, where we come together and it might be your office or your team, whatever is, makes sense. And there we, we pray for the needs of the mission around the world. That might be a rescue that's happening or a court case that's stuck or okay. particularly difficult aftercare situation, whatever it is. Mm. We pray that together every day, every working day. The third discipline we um, commit to is once a quarter, once every three months, we go away as a team and have a prayer day to seek God. Mm. And the fourth discipline is that once a year, again in work time, each individual takes a day, we call it a day of personal solitude, and it's a retreat day to just check in with the Lord, align Mm. ourselves with him. And the reason we do that, we do it as work, Mm. is because... The change we're seeking in the world is nothing short of miraculous. Yeah, yeah. We, um, we're up against violent, evil people, slavery, whatever else it is, mm-hmm. is without being too spooky about it, a spiritual warfare thing. Yeah. And so we are looking for miracles. Mm. And we enter the miraculous God's provision as we spend time with him in intimacy. Yeah. And so that's woven into our working life. Fabulous. Good. Well, I mean, just, yeah, just to be, to be clear then, Dallas Willard is a, uh, I say he's with the Lord now, but he was you know, an advocate of the spiritual disciplines mm. that, um, that IJM advocate and you. So fa- fabulous to hear. So uh, great to, great to hear. I mean, sure, maybe that encourages people to join you. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, you've, you've had a lot, a lot of your career has been in leadership. Uh, what, what have you, what have been the things you've learning? You've been learning? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> Uh, to be a lot better than I am. Um, <laughs> I think 
I think it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's all sort of there's all sorts of skills around leadership mm. which you can learn. You can buy books, you can go on courses, you can mm. learn those things, and they are all really important, like time management and delegation and project management and mm. fine, you know, all that stuff. All really important. In my experience, most of the problems haven't come from those areas. Mm. They've actually come from personal insecurities and weaknesses mm. and baggage. Mm-hmm. So there's something about, for me, leadership is a particular development of general discipleship, mm. which is why I think in the New Testament it talked about don't appoint someone as a leader until they've been yeah. um, proven as a disciple. Sure, sure. Um, so there's something about am I working on my stuff? Mm. And I think for me and, and everyone's dear, I'm sure, I'm sure Andy, you are a picture of um, even temper and... Um, kindness <laughs> but nice. I have Thank to you. work on you know when something happens <laughs> mm. and everything in, in me wants to kind of respond quickly mm. and tell someone off or mm. make a judgment that's or, or, or just yeah. be angry and grumpy about it mm. and I think all the most of the mistakes I've made is when I've done that too quickly where I've yeah. not taken the moment to understand what was going on in that person mm. what was going on in that situation yeah. my reaction then turned out to be premature and unfair. Sure. Well, that's kind of you to say, share something that you struggled with. I'm sure there's there's plenty of things, plenty of victories that uh, you could have shared as well uh, along the way. Uh, any books or resources you found particularly helpful? Yeah. So I've I've re- I read I read widely on leadership, but actually I want to I want to talk about a book that's not particularly a leadership book, okay. but is the book I found probably one of the most helpful. Mm-hmm. In my life, and it's by a writer called John Eldridge, who oh, right, has yes. written many, many, many books. Yeah, and this book is called *Waking the Dead*. Ah, yes. And um, and it's really a book about how the enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy mm. Christ's life in us, yeah. and what we can do to cooperate with God, mm. to grow with Him and thrive. Yeah. And I found it to be um, to really speak to my heart and to be absolutely crucial in leading others to understand what's going on. Thank you, yeah. And it's got a, some fabulous prayers at the very yes, end. it does. Just stunning. Just helps, I mean, like, which just gives you some words Oh, well, I mean, I, I thought, good gracious, you know, he really does know how to put words together. So, yeah, thank you for recommending the book. I remember, I haven't read it for many years, but thank you. And it's right, the book so. I give to all my team. Is that? Join. So it's, it's John, John Eldridge is L-E-L-D... R E D G. It is, I, I think, think. Yes. Waking the Dead. So, yeah. so thank you, David, very much. Excellent. Good. Well, it's been fascinating to chat with you. Sorry, time has more or less defeated us. But um, uh, but obviously, folk can can hear more about IGM by going to. There's a website, no doubt. There is. There is uh, <laughs> www.ijmuk.org. So that's ijmuk.org. Okay. And they can become part of a, an emailed prayer list kind of thing? Yeah. So, one of the things, so lots of ways to get involved mm. uh, volunteering um, in all sorts of different ways. Uh, we cover prayer. Um, and so there's, uh, you can sign up for prayer updates where we send you uh, information from the front line of the fight against slavery to join in with prayers. And of course, um, you can commit financially to help pay for the lawyers and the social workers and the yeah. counsellors and the investigators. Sure. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I mean, David, we didn't have time to look at some of the other stories David could have told. Anita was one of them. But there's, you know, there's many sad but but glorious stories of, of, of freedom. And um, so thank you, David, for, for sharing and, and for, you know, putting this into our attention. So 
Yeah. Thank you very much. So you're listening to Leads Your Fire with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by David uh, Westlake, uh, David being the CEO of International Justice Mission, IJM uh, UK, which, is, as we've said, is part of an international anti-slavery organisation. So do log on to that website and uh, find out more. Uh, do go to the Premier website too and find out more uh, archived versions of the Leadership File if you've enjoyed this one. And uh, do join us again next uh, Sunday or 3.30 or uh, via the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 